0: Does that sound okay, Peter? Well the mic does. It's, it sounds a bit Yorkshire for some reason. We've yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, got a different setting on there. <laughs> but what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Fascinating.
2: Welcome to episode 145 of the Nerdfest podcast. This week's nerds are... John
3: Carving, Ian McLaughlin, Peter Johnson, Andy Chandler.
2: And I'm Hazel Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> On today's show, we are doing another round of our new feature, Something Old, Something New. Something old is good fellas, and for some of our nerds, also marks the closure of yet another shameful gap. Can't wait to discuss that. And then the something new is Loki season two. Uh,
1: yep. Blurs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Blurs. we will open with a round of what we've been enjoying recently, so let's start the show. Your shoulder hurts.
1: Your shoulder hurts.
2: Too many press ups. Humble <laughs> <laughs> Why do you laugh? Oh, look at who. Oh, I did 250 <laughs> press ups and now my, now yeah. my elbow hurts. So
1: we'll do less then.
2: Yes, yeah, good idea.
1: How many was it you did?
2: Um, sixty. Sixty. Mm-hmm.
1: I can't manage three. <laughs> I get knackered after twenty. Well, that's why you hurt. It's your own fault.
2: Every day. I
1: don't remember the last time I did a press up. It's a cumulative effect. You've been doing sixty a day for a couple of weeks or months, whatever it mm. is, and finally it muscles gone.
0: Boom. Are you increasing the numbers time by
2: time? Yes, every week. Next week, seventy.
0: You see, I've done no press ups, and my shoulder feels fine. Who's the winner? <laughs> mm.
2: It's nice to have Ian back.
1: It's nice to be back. It really is. It's really nice to be back. I'm excited about talking about things apart from Loki. Oh, no. We have to do it. We're
4: contractually obliged. Are we?
0: Yeah, we're owned by Disney, I think. Are we? Yeah. yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Excellent.
1: We have to be nice about it. It'll be a short segment.
2: Ian, why don't you tell us what you've been enjoying recently?
1: I've been enjoying life in general, uh, which is great. But the main thing I've been enjoying is a, a, a little quick recommendation for you. is a, a, a movie. <sighs> that's what it's called uh it's about dogs it's a new movie It was not a new movie it was that it came out in 2022 and the movie's called sizzle 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 s-i-s-u, oh, sisu. it's a war movie which is much more like a, a classic spaghetti western it's probably one of my favorite movies of the year i didn't know anything about it i just i stumbled on it by mistake I'm going to highly recommend it. You should definitely watch it. I won't give too much away because it's only a short recommendation. It's a kind of action thriller set towards the end of the First World War in 1944. As the Germans are starting to retreat, they realise that things are over. Second World War. That's what I said, isn't it? No. So, <laughs> it's set at the end of the Second World War in 1944 when the Nazis realise that uh, things that the tide's turning and they need to get out. It's set in the Fjords of Finland.
2: No. I've heard of this. You've heard of Finland?
1: Yeah. It's a country. It's a country. true. The the plot centres around our hero who is a highly decorated sniper who now is panhandling in the middle of the fjords looking for gold. Uh, He lives on his own in a tiny little shack with his horse and a Bedlington Terrier. For those people who don't know from across the country, a Bedlington Terrier is a northern dog that is very close to us, about 10 miles down the road. Anyway, he prospects Mm -hmm. for gold and he finds a massive seam of it. Just down the road are a band of Waffen SS officers who are basically like a big tank platoon who are doing a scorched earth thing as they leave Finland and head to Norway, try to get away and escape from the end of the war. What that happens then is it becomes like a spaghetti western with our main character pitted against these SS officers as they try to get his gold and He tries to make it home safe. It's absolutely brilliant. It's got loads of Tarantino in it. There's some um, first blood in there. There's some Mad Max. It's... Unbelievably gory, but in a way that is so kind of visceral that you end up laughing because you just feel so stressed all the way through it. It's, That's uh, great. it is no, honestly, it is, it is absolutely brilliant, and I absolutely recommend you watch it. And, and a little not spoiler just for Hazel because there is a dog in the film, but don't worry,
2: Ducky okay. That's
1: all you need to know, don't worry but Where can people watch this? You can watch it on the telly.
2: Okay, great. <laughs> is, the, is
1: the dog a Nazi? No, the dog isn't Nazi, it's a bedroom terrorist. Most dogs That's, are Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. But it is absolutely brilliant. I, you, you've got to watch it immediately. It's, it's one of my favourite movies of the year, easily.
2: Wow. Okay, is it good.
1: subtitled? Uh, it's in English. Oh! Even though it's written and directed by a, a Finnish uh, writer, or director, it's all done in English. The casting is amazing. Our hero doesn't say a single word in the whole movie. and um, The violent scenes are just some of the most ridiculous... Scenes I've ever seen in my life, but you laugh, it's laugh out loud. He is underwater and has to, like, survive by breathing. And the way that he does it is, you will not believe. Does he suck off a dolphin? No. (laughs) Must be watched.
2: All right. Well, I have really been enjoying The Morning Show season three. It has really picked up from last season, which is mostly counting the decimals of the characters who are shouting over each other. Everything this time is more about... Mm, The world events take more of a centre stage than in the last season when everything was just about the characters and woe is them. They cover the Capitol riot and uh, Bradley Jackson, who is played by Reese Witherspoon, reports from inside the building, which is very interesting. There's also uh, the war in Ukraine and they have a field journalist who's trying to cover the events there. And in the most recent episode, they're covering the undoing of Roe versus Wade. And everything is really centered on the key parts of the argument there. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. John Hamm is in the cast this season. He is a great addition to the cast. I thought he was going to be like an Elon Musk caricature. Well, I mean, Elon Musk himself is a caricature (laughs) of a human being. But, you know, he's far more nuanced than that, far more intelligent, but he is also very ruthless. So I'm interested to see where that goes. There's a great storyline for Greta Lee. She was the uh, main role in Past Lives. She plays Stella, the news director, and she really gets to show off her acting chops this season. So yeah, massive step up. So
3: we really enjoyed the first season, mm-hmm. but then for some reason the second season really didn't grab us and we stopped no. watching after a couple of episodes. Has it kind of picked up back from there? Or
2: The second season, well, they had like COVID was like running through mm. the whole season a lot of it took place outside of the newsroom right? and it was like a lot of it was in Italy with Steve Carell's character and as they everything seems all woe is me and also the characters could not stop talking over each other they were just yelling at each other there was one scene in the car between Jennifer Aniston's character and the actor who plays her producer but they were just yelling at each other and it was so stressful and hard to watch. Whereas this one, as say, the the world events take the centre stage. And it's all about, let's talk about the impact of removing Roe versus Wade.
3: To what degree does it take political sides on those particular debates? Because you run the risk of essentially of alienating half your audience.
2: Yes. It feels like too much of a spoiler to kind of talk too much about how they do it. But as we know, American news networks do take much more of a stance than... Uh, British ones Hmm. who, um, you know, it's their whole thing is to be neutral and- There is definitely a side that they take and the women very much lead that conversation um, and recount personal experiences that they've had. So, yeah, there is a side that they take, but they also do show a little bit of the other side as well.
4: I think we can guess which side they take, because you mentioned that Reese Witherspoon um, reports on the Capitol riots from inside the building. Mm. Does she shit on (laughs) Nancy Pelosi's desk?
2: (laughs) (laughs) She does not. No. Does she dress as a
0: Viking? John, could she be done for trespass,
3: even though she's a journalist?
0: I don't know the American law. I mean, I hardly know the British law. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's
3: worrying. Space,
1: is it? As long as it's a public space,
4: you can
3: do no, it. No, but they, you're not allowed in the Senate building. It wasn't a public space at
4: the time when the rights happened. You can only shit on Nancy Pelosi's desk if she invites you.
1: Fair you also um, mentioned uh, Elon Musk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've just made a joke up.
2: Okay.
1: So what name do you give to Elon Musk when he's been stretched to twice his length?
2: Uh, Elongated muscles? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right, moving on. Who's next?
4: Well, can I I offer a mini recommendation to everyone out there to not listen to John ever? Um, (laughs) I I watched Hellraiser 2 recently and I feel very, very bad.
0: To clarify, I did say Hellraiser 2 isn't very good.
4: But you've also said I should watch it? I did, yes. (laughs) See, this is the magic that he wields.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, This is the
2: problem with listening to John.
0: I did a gig on Friday, we did a Halloween themed gig and I wore Mm. Andy's Hellraiser socks that he bought me which we talked about in the last episode, and they were very nice, but they were slightly too small, so quite painful to take on and off, which to me somehow seemed very suitable for the theme and
4: I enjoyed.
2: <laughs> yeah, you That's delivered awesome. a very painful performance. Well done.
4: Oh. <laughs> if anyone out there is thinking about watching Hellraiser 2, let me save you the time. It starts off okay. There's, there's uh, potential for story and characters. Then it just devolves into... Uh, a load of stuff happening. And then it gets silly. There's um, a doctor who gets turned into a Cenobite and he gets kind of mangled and um, wire wrapped around his head, uh, cuts into his face and so on and all um, mutilated. And then there's a big tentacle latches onto the top of his head and then he flies around, carried by the tentacle, uh, saying things like, the doctor is in. and um, and And then it ends. But despite this, I think I'm going to watch Hellraiser 3. Oh, God. And I can't you're not going to give me. up till 5? I have to get to 5 because I've heard it's surprisingly good. <laughs> oh, and I also thought I might watch Return to Oz. I think I'm going through some <laughs> trauma. You will be if you watch Return to Oz. <laughs> so everyone says, but but can it be that awful?
2: Yes. John, yes, yes what have you been enjoying recently? I've
0: been enjoying um, Spider-Man 2 on the PlayStation 5. Ooh. So I'm I'm only a couple of hours into it. This is the third Spider-Man game, despite the title. Because Sony can't do numbering. And in this game, you get to play both Spider-Men. So you switch back and forth between uh, Peter Parker and Miles Morales. And it's the first one that's been built specifically for the PlayStation 5 from the ground up. So it just looks amazing. There's no loading times. The fact that you can just like shoot from one end of the city without any pause or breaks. And go back and forth between the characters. The story, basically, is Harry Osborne has returned having been ill and seemingly has found a miracle cure. Goblinitis. But he's not goblinitis, no. He, 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 there's, there's some black goo involved, let's put it that right. way. So, a bit of venom. And also, at the same time, Craven, who is getting a film of his own next year, I believe. Uh. Craven is essentially the predator of the MCU. So he has come to New York and set out with the intention of freeing a load of supervillains so he can then hunt down and kill them and keep them as trophies. I'm really, really enjoying it. It's expanded on the previous games quite a lot. The storyline is really good and interesting so far. I would highly recommend it. Uh, Mm. With a caveat that it's £70, and apparently it's Mm. only about 15 hours long. not very long. Mm, No.
1: Um,
0: But apparently there's lots of side missions and content as well to kind of, pad that out if you if you want to but i mean i'm enjoying it very much so far
4: is it a bit of an open world thing where you can just do whatever you want
0: there is a very strong overriding linear narrative where you can go from location to location and following the story between the missions you, you're free to explore around uh, new york city and there's lots of uh, different types of activities you can undertake like fighting gangs and um stopping fires and things like that <clears throat>
1: And I was reading that the, the loading time has come down from the previous game, PS4, from 30 seconds to one and a half seconds. Yeah. That is, that's mad, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: Makes a big difference to how you play a game yeah. and how the game feels. So the STD in the PlayStation, the, the disk drive, if used properly, is apparently as fast as memory. Did you say STD? SD, S, the STD, you know, drive. Do, yeah.
1: Yeah. STD drive, yeah. STD drive.
0: SSD? No, STD. <laughs> By the time I finish with it, anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. oh, dear. Lovely.
1: Yeah, some of those ports isn't, isn't working anymore, is it?
2: I've only,
0: I've only got a three and a half inch floppy.
2: <laughs> Peter, what have you been doing recently?
3: I've been watching Gen V, which is a spin off from The Boys. There's very much a family resemblance. It's very much the same sense of humour, set in the same world and you keep hearing bits of news about what are happening to the heroes from the boys series as it's playing but it's more of a like an x-men academy star trek academy spin on it in that it's students who are being taught to be heroes at university i think if you are not too keen on the slightly more teeny angle of it you may prefer it less to the boys but it does have a lot of the same very out there humor and trying to shock you with things like it has a woman who can shrink to very small sizes, and the first episode, she is basically climbing someone's penis like a pole.
2: Right.
0: So uh, subtlety is not. This is, is the not... same show that had the the guy grow to giant size inside someone's penis and make him explode in the last season. They've
4: obviously got a thing about penises. I feel really good about never having watched the boys.
2: The Generation V, is that like a, a play on this Generation X, Gen X, Gen Z? Yes, kind of probably. Are more... And
3: we established at the end of the boys series that V was, people weren't born superheroes. They were administered a drug when they were small that has made them like this. And in a lot of these cases, it was their parents that were doing that to them and they didn't realise. And so everyone's kind of dealing with the repercussions of that. Hmm.
2: Okay.
3: It, we started watching because they had a really good character actor in that we like. And then he was dead by the end of the first episode. So it was one of those.
4: (laughs) How does it compare to the
3: boys? Better, worse, same? I think the boys has a bit more edge for more people. You know, it's okay. If you really like the boys, you'll probably at least enjoy this.
2: Um, We also just wanted to take a couple of moments because we are recording this the same day that we woke up to the news that Matthew Perry has sadly died at the age of 54. So we just wanted to spend a couple of minutes talking about, his influences as an actor and the incredible talents that he had and, of course, how he sought to help others who were also battling the disease of addiction. So I don't know about anyone else, but he had an enormous influence on me and my interest in comedy and how to deliver the most perfectly toned sarcastic retort through uh, the iconic character of Chandler Bing. He was the only actor on that set who was allowed in the writer's room because he was as funny in real life as he was on screen he spoke about in his autobiography which i read uh, friends lovers and the big terrible thing about how drawn he was to that character because that was him like there was no dividing line between the role and the actor and chandler is quite open about how he used humor as a defense mechanism as a way to hide when he's uncomfortable, or to laugh the pain away. And uh, Matthew Perry was one of the same, I believe. Um, I was obs- I was so obsessed with friends growing up. I, I tried to talk like him. Like, could I be any more derivative? Mm-hmm. You
0: actually <laughs> married a Chandler. I did, yeah, that's actually. <laughs> that's how committed I am to the bit.
2: <laughs> um, I also enjoyed some of his later work. I don't know how many films will be remembered for, but mm. in the world of TV, when he got you know a lot of time to build a character and develop all aspects of their personality he really gave the audience an opportunity to fall in love with whatever he created week after week Um, his work on studio 60 on the sunset strip is my second favorite thing that he ever did Um, he played a character called matt Albee, a comedy writer who used to work for the show studio 60 which is like a saturday night live type show left got famous and then a series of events brings him right back to where he started, alongside Bradley Whitford, who plays his best friend and co-producer Danny Tripp.
0: Uh, that is such a good show and it's kind of, yeah. uh, it, mm. uh, of the of the Ann Sorkin shows, it's the one that's probably kind of been forgotten.
2: It is, yeah. What I loved about it is he's a writer but he's plagued by two things. He's plagued by not being able to work things out with the love of his life. Um, Harriet Hayes, played by Sarah Paulson and an addiction to prescription drugs, mm. um, the latter of which is well known. Um, is one of the things that Matthew Perry also struggled with in real life. His life is basically, has been dictated by this disease, you know, uh, drugs, alcohol, and in, in he's talked about it incredibly openly and he's always said, as, as flawed as he is as a character, one of the things that he is very proud of is whenever someone is, he meets is going through a similar battle, he can openly talk and help them because he knows exactly what it's like it's it's this 100% all the time occupying his mind kind of thing and he can very much be open about that Um, and that's what his book is about so yeah I'm feeling pretty sad by today's news but having read his autobiography I don't understand the incredible struggles that he's been enduring for decades but I hope that he is finally at peace but yeah We've lost a very big talent, so I just wanted to take a couple of moments to uh, reflect on that.
1: What I remember most is uh, um, being a big Friends fan as well. You go down rabbit holes, and I used to love looking up all the outtakes, yeah, in the series, and that's when you really get to see the character behind mm-hmm. the character. And he was obviously so adored by everyone. And he was so naughty on set, and yeah. I just I, 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 it was adorable. And uh, he would be very sad. Missed, I'm sure by the yeah. the whole gang, it must be awful for them. Yeah. So uh, big love up to Matthew, who's now got new friends. In uh, a heaven perk.
2: (laughs) (laughs) heaven perk. I like that a lot. Time for our new segment, Something Old, Something New. We've done this once before where we covered Jurassic Park and Ashoka. So if you haven't seen that yet, do check it out. Uh, Today, the something old is Goodfellas. Directed, of course, by Martin Scorsese, um, released in 1990, Goodfellas is told from the perspective of Henry Hill, who, as he states in his very first line, as long as he can remember, he's always wanted to be a gangster. Oh, I say it's from the perspective of Henry Hill, but we do get some perspective from his long-suffering wife, Karen, as well.
3: She gets like a bit of voiceover about halfway through, which is weird. Mm
2: -hmm. I like it. Um, The film's time period is from 1955, where we meet Henry... As is it? Henry? It is Henry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Harry Hill is someone else. Henry as a very d- different. <laughs>
4: I would pay to see good Goodfellas with Harry Hill oh, yeah. <laughs> or with Hank Hill.
2: <laughs> uh, we meet Henry as a teenager. He's starting to become enamoured with wise guy life. He begins working for crime boss Paulie. He meets Jimmy Conway and he also meets Tommy DeVito. Uh, We then travel to the 1960s, where Henry and his mates spend a lot of time at the Copacabana nightclub. He meets Karen, they get married, and then the murdering starts. (laughs) We then follow the stories of all of the various gang members into the 70s, going in and out of jail, starting up a drugs organisation, through to 1980, when, uh, let's just say that the relations between various members of the group get a little bit sour. John, I know this is one of your favourite yeah. films of all time. Why don't you start us off and tell us what you love about oh, it? Oh,
0: just so much about it. I, lo- I love all the characters, the direction particularly, um, the editing, which is Thomas Shoemaker, who, if anyone listens to Mark Kermode's mm-hmm. podcast, was interviewed on that this week. And particularly the music as well, just the, the use of the soundtrack yeah. to chronicle the story. It's close to a perfect film so there is. You're going to say you didn't like it
1: now.
2: No, 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 not at all. But um, Ian, I know it's one of your favourite movements. It it's one as well. of
1: my all time favourite movements. I, I, uh, I uh, add to John Sentiment. Uh, the, the soundtrack, especially, is amazing. And apparently, Scorsese had that soundtrack in his head mm. when he was writing the script, and, and all the songs were actually put into the script at the right points. Yep. Mm. And so, there's, there's the one scene where he actually plays the piano to keep the tempo of the scene going.
0: Yeah, so there's a bit where they have the piano bit at the end of Layla. That's it, Layla. Yeah, that's yeah, it, yeah. yeah, and they were playing that on set to keep the shots and the edits in time with, or not the edits, but the shots and the movements in time with the music. A nerdy music fact about it: every song that is played is period appropriate, so it's a mm. song that would be in the charts or on a jukebox at the time the scene
4: takes place. Oh, so you didn't have any moments where you th- oh, oh, actually, that that's, uh, single was released
1: uh, 45 days after.
0: Uh, actually, uh, Firestart by the Prodigy, I don't believe, was popular in 1950s. I?
1: And that oh, opening scene, the tracking shot using the yeah. steady cam that goes up all the way through the kitchens and into the nightclub, yeah. it's so beautifully choreographed. Apparently it took eight takes, but they actually got it every time, the first take, mm. but the guy who's a famous comedian who does the bit at the end, of Famous American comedian Check and my wife please Harry Hill no, 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 Harry no. Hill no. <laughs> He would screw up his lines Every single time Every take oh, no. yeah. So they did this Perfectly choreographed thing Which had taken It took them like Apparently three weeks To map out the scene Three weeks to rehearse And months to kind of yeah. Map it all out And this guy kept Screwing it up every time oh.
2: <laughs> I was very much reminded Of that scene Early on in the West Wing Where they walk through The kitchens And it's like a three minute Long walk yeah. and yeah. talk yeah. And mm. I was like Oh There's, there's another
3: really long Scene that works really well As well When he comes into the Restaurant And that you're introduced To all the different characters Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And they sort of have a line or two just almost so the to the camera. The po-
1: to come, to the camera. Yeah. 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 And apparently, the reason they decided to do that shot is because they weren't given access by the owners to the front of the building. So they could only use the back entrance <laughs> to get into the club.
2: That's what you do with yeah. the hands of dealt. Yeah. 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 Wow. What
0: I particularly love is the way the editing follows kind of the mind of the mood of the character. So
2: really frantic towards the end. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. So when Harry
0: Hill is, you know, is not in. All the coke with his little teddy bear in his hand. Uh, when Henry Hill is, like, you know, snorting all the coke and rushing around trying to see four or five things at once, you've got really, really fast choppy editing, all the different songs clashing together into one another. Um, and it just does an amazing job of building the tension. Yeah,
1: And there's so much improv in the film as well. A lot of the scenes are very loose. I think that's what gives it its Natural. Real yeah, yeah, it just feels yeah. so authentic. And a lot of the scenes, only a couple of the characters knew what was going to happen, and the rest of the cast didn't know what was going to happen. Wow. Yeah. In the famous, um, you find me funny, I'm a, some kind of clown. Yeah. Only Pessy and... Uh, Leota. 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 knew what was going to happen in the scene or how the scene would end. The rest of the cast knew there was going to be an argument between the two of them, but the rest of the cast didn't know what was going to happen or how it was right. going to end. So, yeah. so they were what, like,
2: oh, this is awkward. Yeah, this is really awkward. <laughs> yeah. That's Because
1: that scene, it's real authenticity. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. But interesting funny fact here. So uh, I can't remember the scene where um, they're handing out loads of money. To mm. everyone, paying everyone mm. money, mm. and De Niro insisted that he uses real money because he didn't like the feel of fake money. So the the props guy got five thousand dollars of um, Al Pacino's money uh, out uh, of the bank from i No, sorry, uh, De Niro's <laughs> <Okay>. money <laughs> for him, and hand it. And so he hands out the money, but um, De Niro didn't trust because they'd hired lots of real gangsters to sort of be in the background, yeah, 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 <laughs> and yeah. they couldn't resist stealing money. <laughs> <laughs> so no one was allowed to leave the set at the end. they would take until all the money'd come back in again because they, they couldn't resist to put a teller in their pocket. <laughs>
2: wow. Excellent. Try acting, Robert. <laughs>
3: One of the weird things about it, I suppose, is it makes the gangster's life look attractive. It kind of sells that mm. lifestyle to you almost, especially in the beginning of the yeah. movie. Does it, though? But then... Does
2: it?
0: Well,
3: but then <laughs> it contrasts that with the violence mm. and yeah. the way that they are. They're essentially parasites. Yeah. Yeah. They describe it almost as a service in that they're protecting people, but they're mm. not. It's a, it's them or people like mm-hmm. them that they need protecting against. From, from
1: doing that, you understand the romance behind it and why yeah. young boys, especially, mm. might be attracted to that lifestyle because it seems so romantic. And then obviously, we find out then it's nothing like that, but you can see. Mm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Yes, I want to be a gangster as well. That'd be great. And you go, oh, yeah. no, yeah. I don't, because that's horrible. It does glamorise it,
4: yeah. but it's narratively justified yeah, entirely absolutely. because yeah. that is exactly what draws Hank Hill with his propane and propane accessories to to the life. Is uh, <laughs> He sees it as, um, as, as glamorous.
2: yeah <laughs>
0: So apparently, um, Ray Liotta met Henry Hill after the, the real one. film, came, the real, real one after the film came out, and Henry Hill was like, "Oh, thank you for not making me a scumbag." And Ray really, Liotta was like, "Have you seen the film? I cheat on my wife, I <laughs> yeah. beat people up, I glass on all my friends." Yeah.
2: yeah, it's it's quite a thing when like the best, well, uh, I guess the most well behaved mm. gangster in the film is an adulterous, paranoid, domestic abuser with a cocaine problem. Yeah, yeah,
4: well, he is a, he is a bad guy, but he's still. Mm, quite understandable if not entirely relatable Um, he's understandable
2: Mm he's got um it's and this is Ray Liotta he's got a massive dose of vulnerability and humanity behind his eyes Mm. and whilst I struggled to care too much about the character and sort of you know hope that he was going to be all right i i I was really drawn to him because of the vulnerability Mm. he had behind his eyes that's
0: really Mm. otter like if you see again if you see the real henry hill and interviews with him he didn't have any of that charm or anything he was just quite an unpleasant
3: person there are places where hill tries to stop people getting hurt or attacked Mm. at various Mm. times but there may well be other reasons for that which is actually it's easier for them if people don't End up being yeah. bodies they have to dispose of.
4: Yeah, there's there's the practicality. But uh, there's a number of occasions where he uh, shows sympathy for um, people who are victims of violence. He doesn't ever actually kill anyone himself in that film. Spoilers!
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> whereas no, others we're, we're spoiling do. it. <laughs> yeah,
4: well, this is the nature of the thing. Yeah. He is m- much more human than those around him. And he's more drawn into, well, yeah, again, the glamour of it. The power and the prestige and the respect yeah. and the money. Mm. But he retains more humanity than the other characters. And that's what drew me into the film in a way that some of Scorsese's other films failed to do. Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, The Irishman. I, I admire technically, but I didn't really feel anything for and was slightly bored. Because I didn't connect to the characters. I do
1: connect to Ray Liotta in yeah. Goodfellas, which is what made it work for me. It's got a, a, a surprisingly low body count. There's only 10 murders in the whole movie. Hmm. Um that sounds like that's, that's still <laughs> it's
2: 10. Yeah. It's just
3: an average Tuesday.
2: It, it means that they have more impact yeah. rather yeah, absolutely. than like what is, um, is it? Extraction with Chris Hemsworth? Or yeah. it's just like do, do, do. It's just like.
1: Mm. Do you know that the, the real gangsters who some of them the, the the characters are based upon or refuse to call it Goodfellas? They call it the home movie.
2: <laughs> the home movie. The home wow. movie. <laughs> Let's watch the home movie.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I was wondering how they'd react and to what extent they had to be
0: careful what they could do or say. John, do you know much is, about the history? a lot of. That? of changed names so jimmy conway was really jimmy burke so they changed some surnames but i think people were either dead or in jail or in witness protection so
3: they weren't scared that if they portray them in a certain way there may be reprisals
0: i I think there was some of that in the godfather wasn't there Mm. not so much by the time of goodfellas and the only thing i always hear about mafia films and things like that that are based on real life is that mafia guys have an ego and like mm. being portrayed on screen and it, it appeals to them. I mean, they kind of trade on their image mm-hmm. and having people scared of them is actually
4: easier than them having to do anything yeah. about anyone. Mm. Well, uh, Joe Pesci's character, whoever that's based I mean, on, if if uh, the real Tommy wasn't happy with it, and he wouldn't have seen the film because he's deaf, dumb and blind. Mm-hmm. But um, if, if the real Tommy <laughs> oh, had yeah. been uh, upset yeah. about it, he would have been too terrified of Joe Pesci to complain anyway. Yeah, he is. A monster yeah. um, in, in this film Also he, he was dead Shot by, in the face He was shot in the face yeah.
3: Compared to Tommy as well That's another reason You find Ray Liotta's Character more sympathetic Because mm. Tommy is so much More dangerous mm. And so much more He could kill someone Mm. just because he stubbed his toe or something.
0: Yeah. I think Robert De Niro's character is the worst in it. I think he's Mm. not
2: reacting to situations. He thinks about them in like, yeah,
0: like a shot. But then it's just ruthless when it needs to be.
2: I'm feeling a little bit conflicted about the film. I watched it for the first time last night. Shame. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And I think it's because the film worked too well on me in that I believe what Scorsese was going for was try to deconstruct this narrative about gangsters being glamorous. Mm. What I saw was a bunch of overgrown man babies with too much power (laughs) and Mm. too fragile an ego that, Mm. yeah, what you just said, like they'll literally shoot someone in the face for like the fact that they insult them in front of their friends. So if that's what Scorsese was going for, that's like a job incredibly well done. It's just not a movie that I can fall in love with at this stage of my life because I've just grown so weary and tired of pathetic men who have been given too much power and they use it's it... It's not like here. To, and they use it to destroy. You know, I'm very much watching it through 2023's eyes. I've seen seen too much, I've experienced too much to enjoy a film about men behaving badly. You know, I just... <laughs> And that that's on me. But and I wish I wish deeply I'd watched it. You know, twenty years ago. Well, yeah, yeah what, maybe twenty years what,
0: ago. What do you think of the ending? Because at the time there was people angry that he essentially got away with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're seeing that this month.
2: With Mm. people
4: people in the various court cases. Mm. He got away with it by our standards. By his own though, um, he stays alive but he loses the life that uh, mattered to him. And then there's uh, the the final shot is um, uh, Joe Pesci firing a gun down the Mm. camera and it effectively feels like he's died anyway because he's now having to live a normal Mm -hmm. life of a schmuck that he never wanted.
2: Now has to live a very different life but I think he's plagued by different demons.
0: You were supposed to be angry... With him at the end, because he's essentially he's got away with it, and all he can do is moan and complain.
2: Yeah, it's hard because you're trying to balance the fact that um, you know Robert De Niro's character and Paulie and all the other gangsters Mm. do get brought to justice, and that is a a direct result of Hank Hill, uh, you know, going into the witness protection program. So there's a little bit of, well, I'm kind of glad that he did do that, but that also means that he doesn't face the repercussions himself and he should do
0: he didn't have yeah. like an awakening
4: he literally was just a rat trying to save
0: his yes. own skin mm. yeah a
2: drowning mm. rat yeah mm-hmm. absolutely
4: but I think that needs to be um, the ending. I think it works brilliantly. I like it a lot. And the the film itself isn't really um, one overarching narrative. It's the story of this man's career, effectively mm. starting as a gangster and then ending as a gangster. And um, that that is the, the whole thrust of the thing. I think had to end there, either there or him being killed, which is much more boring.
0: And again, didn't happen if it were following the true story. I mean, he, he turned. He kind of left witness protection towards the end of his life, and he. Uh, He was quite a sad figure. He he started drug dealing again.
1: Well, he was chucked out of witness protection because he started bragging about the film was about him and how great he was, so they had to chuck him out of the witness protection (laughs) programme. And
0: and, uh, he used to get pissed and ring the Howard Stern show up, the American radio talk show, yeah, Yeah. and,
1: like, give long, drunken rants. And we get back to the actual sort of filmmaking side of the thing, Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the most effective uses of voiceover and narration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it really works well. And apparently uh, Ray Liotta when he was recording his lines, insisted that the sound man sat mm. right in front of him with a microphone so he could actually tell the story directly to a person, mm-hmm. to a person, which I thought was a really yeah. a lovely idea behind that. The bit
0: where he's getting paranoid and everything, you just listen to his voice. Until so he's talking like this, is going, I need to do this, I need to do that, and
1: you can yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can feel the, mm. the, the panic and the stress in his voice. And his eyes. He's got the most <sighs> amazing eyes of any actor I've ever seen, are not they? Just like, yeah. they draw you in.
2: It's like a child's eyes. And I think it's good because he had to play a character from the age of, was it 21? Yeah. Yeah. Right up and th- probably to his 30s um it's, it's a lot a lot mm. of time period to kind of get through and still kind of show humanity
0: the young actor they had playing beforehand mm. was a great match for Fantastic. him as well yeah. Yeah. oh yeah and the,
4: the, the young tommy as well mm.
0: they should have got a young denaro there's a bit where like they go oh he could have been more than 24 25 mm. at the time and there's a clearly mid-40s denaro <laughs> <laughs> yeah
4: i was thinking that as well mm-hmm. yeah they should have digi- digitally de-aged him because that worked so well in the Irishman. <laughs> <Yeah. didn't
3: they? laughs> I'd actually forgotten that it was so much more about Ray Liotta than uh, De Niro, going back to it.
0: De was hardly in it. Yeah. Really, yeah. I mean, he's powerful when he's there, but mm-hmm. he's, he's away for a long stretch of that. He's, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know the, uh, the, the classic scene where poor old Spidey gets killed? Oh,
2: yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, the bartender. Yeah,
1: the young gangster who wants to try and impress and mm-hmm. ends up getting killed. Apparently, uh, during the last shot of the take, he fell over and there was some smashed glass and he cut his hand badly. Oh. And they rushed him into the hospital and the doctors are pulling his shirt apart and they see this massive gun wound on his chest. <laughs> and they literally call all the surgeons, rushing him down to intensive care. Can't on the way to find
2: ride. an exit route. Yes. <laughs> He's going, it's, it's makeup. it's makeup.
1: Oh, wow! And they got so pissed off, they made him go stand at the back of the queue again. He had to wait three hours to get his hand oh. stitched. Oh, <laughs> oh,
4: no.
0: He's in Sopranos, isn't he? That actor. I, I don't have the figure in front of me, but... There's a ridiculous number of actors in Goodfellas that are in The Sopranos. Obviously, you've got Lorraine Bracco as the psychiatrist in the main part, and Michael Imperioli is in there as well. But a mm. lot of the smaller parts are people that had little tiny roles in Goodfellas and stuff. Mm. I'm sure it's like it's tens, if not more, of characters appear.
3: How many of Scorsese's family are in the movie? His mum's there,
0: isn't she? It's even the producer's mum's in it as well. Yeah. Tommy's mum in the film is Martin Scorsese's mum in real life.
2: All right, hmm.
1: That's all inspired by Godfather, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff going on there, lots of real characters playing. The restaurant story of Pesci, you know, I'm funny, I'm a clown, blah, blah, blah. Apparently that was not in the script originally. It's a story that Pesci told Scorsese because mm. Pesci used to work at an Italian restaurant when he was a young struggling actor which was frequented by local gangsters and Pesci actually said to this gangster you're funny and the guy went, what? <laughs> he got upset with him and so Pesci told Scorsese the story he said write the scene so he wrote that scene. Oh, that's awesome.
2: Any other factoids?
1: Factoids. Mm. Factoids. Oh, it's a great yeah. movie, watch it now. <laughs> Uh, you, you know uh, Layla
4: by Derek and Dominoes? Uh, yeah, very good song. Uh, they only use the, the, the piano coder at the end. Second uh, half, basically. Yeah, that is some of the fucking worst slide guitar I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. <laughs> Fuck you, Eric Clapton.
1: You <laughs> couldn't do slide guitar, could
4: he? Absolutely. I, 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 literally, I could do as well as he does on that. It's fucking mm-hmm. terrible. I think the only other Scorsese film um, I like more than this, I think, is Shutter Island, which isn't going to be everyone's first choice but uh, i think it's really good really work really immersive um brings you right into a completely different world and uh, i found it really entertaining to see how normalized this bizarre behavior with all of its own rules and code of conduct was made and that was just normal life for these people and i thought that was fascinating you've been
1: to cinema with someone and you're watching a film and they turn to you in the first three minutes of the film and go i reckon this is what's happening in the film and then you sit there going You've now just spoiled the movie. I'm mm. going to, to sit here for two and a half hours. but well, I know you were right. And now you've ruined the whole movie.
2: Is that how Shutter, Shutter Island. Oh. Uh. I don't
1: anymore, but Bev ruined it for me in the first <laughs> time. So like, oh, for fuck's sake.
2: <laughs> <laughs> how was um, Goodfellas received at the time?
0: Very well received, yeah. It was like, yeah, hailed as a must be It didn't win the Best Picture Oscar, or mm-hmm. Best Director, which was...
2: Is this the um, Oscar that Joe Pesci won and he was like, thanks very much, means a lot, and then walked off? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But uh, Scorsese didn't get an Oscar until didn't have quite the, d- the departed, departed. Yeah, mm. I
1: thought it had quite mixed reviews when it opened.
0: Because uh, you might be thinking of Casino, which came out, which was a kind of similar film. Mm. A lot of people said it was just repeating Goodfellas, but in Vegas. Did you know the film is technically a prequel to ah. The
2: Irishman?
0: Has anyone seen the mediocre comedy film My Blue Heaven?
2: No. Nope. Oh. So Steve
0: Martin is a gangster that goes into witness protection, and Rick Moranis is the FBI agent tasked with keeping him in order. Mm-hmm. So that was loosely based on Henry Hill's time in witness protection, <laughs> and the way it, and wow. it was it was written by Nora Ephron, oh yeah. who is the or was the wife of Nicholas Pelegi, who wrote Goodfellas and the book that Goodfellas was based on. So Nicholas Pelleggi was interviewing Henry Hill all the time, getting the source material for Goodfellas and the the book. Nora Ephron, who is obviously, as we all know, an amazing writer in her own right, was sat listening to this and going, oh, there's a story here, and took the bits about him telling his tales in witness Protection and wrote that as My Blue Heaven, which was actually released a month before Goodfellas. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh was <laughs> the the book that was it was that called wise guys
0: yeah so the film yeah. was originally called wise guys but there was a tv shown at the time with the same title oh, so they, they yeah. changed the good fellas so john what, what's different between the true story and what's actually in the
3: movie is it all realistic or
0: it, it's fairly true to the, the facts obviously they, they conflate things they change a lot of characters names and in real life i think it was a, a bit messier there's this period in the film where Henry is in prison. I think he spends four mm. years in prison. During that time, Henry's wife Karen had an affair with Paulie. Ah. Mm. During that time, also, Tommy attempted to rape her okay.
3: and they attacked
0: her. Paulie found out about this, and in revenge, Paulie told Billy Bat's group that it was Tommy that had killed Billy's bat. <gasps> Right. Oh. I was um, wondering
2: how that kinda of came together because they said it was revenge for Billy Bats, so and I was like, Oh, how did they find out about that?
0: So yeah, that's that's why he got executed. Executed. Executed.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Dangerous being a gangster, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah.
3: <laughs> I've
1: changed my mind now. <laughs> <laughs> talking about things criminal
2: (laughs) (laughs) yes let's move on to our something new segment which is uh today it's all about loki season two the god of mischief is back and he's got one heck of a temporal lobe what i don't know what what that is (laughs) um just
4: as much sense as what's in the show
2: can someone else talk about it because i'm done can i just just ask
3: is anyone enjoying it (laughs)
1: Yep, thought so (laughs) I've endured one and a half episodes And that's as much as I'm going to endure
3: And I really liked the first season Yeah, and I thought they'd learn from the things They perhaps didn't get right the first Mm. time And this one would be really strong It really isn't
2: What do we like about it? Let's start off in the positive I liked that Loki got to show a little bit of magic In the Mm. second episode Mm
0: -hmm. I like how they all forgot he tried to do a genocide About two weeks ago in that timeline
4: Yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and now now he's essentially James Bond or Doctor Who.
4: Yeah, um, I, I I do like that he's has a little bit more. Ability in this because in the first season he was just kind of along for the ride and yeah. not really in control. Asking, of the one
2: asking the questions and you know.
4: Yeah, at, at least he's not um, completely vulnerable and just swept along by other people's desires. Um, mm. But that's not a huge thing. To it, it doesn't honest. have any of the
3: sort of madness that the first one had, where you had like little crocodile Loki's and other weird versions of Loki's that
4: you only saw in passing. No, oh, that's probably something you hate anyway, isn't it? I love alligator Loki. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Excellent. I liked the first season, didn't love it. I want to like this one, but Mm. it's just so muddled and confused. And and I can't really remember what happened in the first one and Mm. they haven't reminded me. And then there's too many characters who aren't explained and I don't know what anyone wants to do. And there's a big CGI. The
2: crux of it is the muddled motivations, I think. They're screaming at us that there are high stakes, these loaves have been running around and these are causing cause disasters to the universe oh but we don't want to end the loaves now because there are people but there's just uh, their, their uh, job is to prevent those loaves yeah. existing in the first place it's it's like it's very weird it's like oh no we now need to protect the TVA whereas the first series was about taking down the TVA the motivations are incredibly muddled so and, and when Sylvie just keeps showing up and be like oh I'm gonna kill you oh maybe not then oh I'll show up again in five minutes oh I'm gonna kill you oh maybe not it's But also we're
3: supposed to see like millions of people being killed because the diagram on the board's changed a little bit.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that was a massive missed opportunity. I needed to feel something. Like the show needs to make people feel something.
4: Daniel Watkins would say that um, it being multiversey, the stakes are far too big and an entire universe being wiped out just doesn't register at all. That's when they've got a problem. I think he's, he's mostly right. You could make it work. You could make it register by showing consequences, by showing the people in the universes that then get wiped out. They don't bother doing that though. You only see a diagram on a screen And then a line gets erased, and then the the characters go. Oh no, it's so terrible! Is it? But you've been doing this your whole life, and what what are you even trying to achieve now? If you don't prune the branches, what is the TVA for? Any story can work depending on how it's told. This one is too convoluted and muddled. But if it had some focus and if it showed the right things, that could make it work. It's just, it's a mess.
2: Yeah.
0: Is anybody up to date? I'm at the end of episode four, don't know if anybody else is. I'm be up
4: to date. I watched episode four this morning.
0: So the end of of episode four, I think, suggests it might go off somewhere a bit more interesting than the last two episodes. I hope so. It wouldn't be difficult. There was certainly a very good cliffhanger at the end of that episode.
2: Apparently there's a a bit of a (laughs) grisly death.
0: Yes, Mm. if only that had been in real life.
3: Okay, so (laughs) you asked what things were good. I think... Both the interplay between Hiddleston and who's Oan the other Wilson. lead Owen Wilson—that's really good—and they make something out of. They have nothing to work with. Oh yeah, neither really, really
4: has a character in they, this season. Right.
3: They are somehow making those pathetic scraps of lines they have been offered yeah. look like they have something to play with, they're and Mr. they're doing and Mr. an amazing Expedition. job there. Mm-hmm. Um, short round. I'm trying can to you, remember can the can actor's name. <laughs> 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 yeah, he, I mean, he's a really nice character as well, but they don't—they just don't give him much to do. Mm. No. Um and the only other thing I would give props to is the set
4: designs oddly enough yeah. which are amazing and the costumes the aesthetic yeah. I really like the way it looks and, and the feel of the show the texture
0: but I can like they went to the World's Fair and it looked amazing and mm. they went in the Ferris wheel and they did fuck all with it once they were there yep. so yeah. yeah
3: that episode was actually directed by their production designer
0: really yes yeah. but maybe they should have got directors to do <laughs> it and scriptwriters to write it <laughs> mm. <laughs> putting aside extra textual things Jonathan Majors is awful in it so yes. such an annoying mannered performance and yeah. giving
3: him a comment comedy role this time completely Mm. undercuts the idea that he's this thing that spans universes as some sort of evil character. So
2: overplayed and so overacted. Mm. You know, um, that was my problem with Tom Hiddleston. I'm acting. Mm. And this was way, way, way worse than that.
4: Yeah, some strange choices. I think Jonathan Majors is a phenomenal actor. He I think is. he's brilliant. He, he, he could well be a problematic. <laughs> he could. Um, yes, there we is don't know that yet. The, yep. there's, there's a trial next month. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but it's a very strange decision he, he's made. He's going for a kind of halting, almost stuttering. Lacking in confidence, guy. Um, I think that could possibly grow or change as it goes on. It might be that it's going somewhere, but it it feels an odd choice. choice. I don't Um, think
2: so. (laughs) He seems to be going for the complete opposite of um, he who remains, who we saw at the end of the first season. Mm. But what I would have loved to seen is hints of that character or what that character might become, Mm. um, rather than this just itchy
3: comedy Einstein. Comedy, comedy
2: Einstein. Mm. Yes. Well, isn't the idea that
0: a character will become who remains? Yes. it's a variant
2: yeah. of him, um, mm. but I think the reason that Renslayer went back and implanted the TVA book on him is that he's going to become a, I don't know I don't, Yeah, I don't know it's idea. it's
4: confusing. Is is it actually the same as multiverse or is it is an alternate timeline not the same as um, a parallel universe? Is it the same thing? They are the same thing, kay. kind of Yeah, uh, but,
0: but then there's been parallel
4: universes and
0: multiverses in the mainstream films and it's not been a massive problem that needs
4: to be told I I don't think it matters but it just um, adds into that I don't quite understand what's going on I'm getting a Marvel headache Mm -hmm. they they should
1: just stop right back. Maybe stop <laughs> entirely. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. Mm. I've come to the conclusion that the multiverse I'd like to live in is one where they don't make any more Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> I just think they've done it all. Yeah. yeah, and it's just it's just a constant rehash and a quite rejig. And it's like I, I'm 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 very tired of it all now. Mm. So it's going to have to be a very special movie from now on that's going to light up my eyes, or well, TV series Loki for me is just it's pointless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's camp which I enjoy. It's colorful which I enjoy. There's lots of explosions and monsters but it just I don't care about any of the characters. Mm-hmm. And I love Loki in the original movie, you know. It's just, well, he's yeah. Tom Hiddleston's great great actor. Even when he does overact he's still fantastic. But for me, it's time to put that to bed. Yeah. The Marvel universe Seems to and be the DC what they're universe thinking. and the Star Wars universe. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think oh, yes. D- Disney's not good to do that though are they? They like money.
1: Just leave Alien alone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, Kevin Feige has kind of said that he they, they are looking at just reevaluating how they do shows and going back to how the way like networks used to mm-hmm. do it. I mean, it's worked for a yeah. hundred
1: years, so there's obviously yeah. something new.
2: I'm remain optimistic about certain things that are coming down the pipeline.
1: We shall see. The last one I enjoyed was uh, Miss Marvel.
3: Well, mm. that was what I was about to say because there's a new Marvel Marbles, movie coming out in yeah. two weeks. Do yeah. we plan to go to that? I would rather eat my own head. <laughs> I, which,
2: which, I will be going alone. Which one is this? <laughs> this is the Marvels. Oh, the Marvels. Yes. yes. <laughs> I like, loved Captain Marvel. You and I mm. went to see Captain Marvel. Yeah, that was, right. yeah. It was
4: good. I thought that was really good. And and I enjoyed I, Ms. Was, Marvel. I was Ms. Marvel. Marvel was brilliant. I was really excited for a Captain Marvel sequel, but I hate Ms. Marvel and won't watch that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed Ms. Marvel. I just liked it. It was a nice little... Uh, sidestep
2: what I'd love is the next MCU to be a 12 angry well men or women just, just put it in men. one room don't go in any universes just you know have some conversations and banter mm. in one room for 90 minutes I'll love You're to watch right. that mm. yeah. 12
1: angry superheroes
2: yes absolutely Okay, that is all for this episode of Nerdfest. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Until then, do enter the warm embrace of our social media channels. We're at Nerdfest UK on Twitter and Facebook. Plus, we'd be enormously grateful if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast, Wouldn't we, John?
0: And if you do that, I will give you a special treat i will use my charm and my connections and my position in society i will take you on a special night out where there will be a queue to get into the building but we will sneak in through the rear walk through the kitchens walk to the very very front way in front of the stage a table will be put out for us with some champagne and we will sit before ian says get the fuck out of the stand
2: (laughs) (laughs) until next time you've been listening to
0: a man who doesn't fucking
1: shine shoes anymore.
0: <laughs>
1: a man who, for as long as you can remember,
0: always wanted to be a hamster. <laughs> okay. Is that why your cheeks
3: are
4: full? <laughs> a man who wants to live in the part of the multiverse where they stop making bad Marvel stuff. A man who can't wait to see Hellraiser 3 and return to Oz and Loki episode 5. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stop punishing oh, yourself. Dear.
2: Well this is unfortunate because I'm a woman who says down with man babies. I'm <laughs> up with good fellas. We'll see you next time. Bye
4: bye.
1: Bye. Ciao. I've got a good coder for you. Then. Interesting fact. Okay, the, the Goodfellas movie mm-hmm. has the word fuck said 300 times in it, which averages out two fucks a minute. Which one of Scorsese's movies beats that record? Uh, and he's got oh, his hand up. Me, Wolf of Wall Street. That's correct. <laughs>
0: yes. The Wolf
1: of Wall Street is correct. It's got 506 fucks in it, which averages at three and a half fucks a minute. Whereas
0: the most fucks ever in a Scorsese film was the entire audience going, oh, for fuck's sake, when the twist at the end of Shut Island was revealed.
4: <laughs> Way better than Raging <gasps> Bull. <gasps> you take that back.
0: No. Bye.
4: And Taxi, dri- taxi Driver's overrated as well.
3: <laughs> taxi for Chandler. <laughs>